Welcome to Good Patron, a production of UTR Media. I am your host, Garrett Godfrey, and on this show, I explore what it means to be a good patron, asking how each of us can be a good patron of the bands and musicians we appreciate. I'm glad you're here, so stick around, because I have an amazing interview for you. This is a special episode. This is episode 59, but it's not in our normal monthly routine. In fact, right now, Good Patron is on hold. It's on hiatus from after our March 2023 episode through to sometime in the fall, maybe coming back September. We'll have to see. Right now, UTR Media is on hold with all of their podcasts, including Good Patron, but I had a story I just had to get out to you. I've got an amazing interview with John Smaby about the alternative Christian music documentary. I can't wait for you to hear what we find out. It is a roller coaster ride of a story. I am so excited. But before we jump into that, I just want to ask that you would consider supporting UTR Media. It's the parent organization that Good Patron is a part of, and you can support them at utrmedia.org. Click on the little hamburger menu in the top right corner and click the support button. They are an independent, listener-supported nonprofit ministry. Their funding comes from all of us. So please consider supporting them with a one-time donation or a recurring donation. They'll have a summertime fundraiser campaign that will be coming soon. But I, I want to reach all of you that are listening to this episode. Please consider supporting UTR. Now, on to that interview with John Smaby. Hey, this is Garrett. Good morning, Garrett. This is John. How you doing? Doing well, sir. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for calling. So, I want to talk to you about the Alternative Christian Music documentary, and I kind of sent you a list of sort of the direction I was looking to go. So, I'd like you to start just by describing the project. What What is the scope of what you're trying to do? Yeah, I would love to break that down if I can. It's it's an interesting project in that it's very geographically based in California on the West Coast. It is also having to do with a specific timeline from the early 80s, around 1980 to 1994-95. And it is also very specific as far as musical genre and alternative rock bands. They will be the main characters in this documentary and the word alternative or the phrase alternative music can be defined any number of ways by people. And I think it has been over the years. So those three things, uh, this, this movie will encapsulate alternative Christian rock bands that were basically in Southern California, but we're going to include Northern California with the warehouse up in Sacramento. Oh yeah. You know, from the, from around 1981, 1982 through 95. And we're excited about the stories that these musicians have to tell when they look back on those, those days. So what was the impetus for this project? How did it start? And then how did this idea kind of snowball and develop as it went on? I have to give a lot of credit to the folks who put together the Jesus music movie, Amy, Michael W. I, I, I know that there's, I think they're brothers that also were responsible for uh, the Jesus Revolution movie with Kelsey Grammer came out earlier this year. But that documentary the Jesus music film, when I saw that in the theater, I was blown away. First of all, I thought it was an excellent movie, period. 
But as a music documentary that I could relate to as a Christian who, for most of his adult life, ha- have been listening to those artists, I was just like, wow, this, this was moving. I, I felt like it wasn't just showing people the past history, but what they did in that movie, it stirred something within me two years ago. And I did not expect that they would cover the bands that I had been playing on the radio and booking and promoting in concert back in the 80s or the 90s. Because what they did in that movie in an hour and 50 minutes, they showed us 50 years of Christian music history, starting in the early 70s, going to today. Michael W. Smith in his studio, currently what he's been working on, there's no way in an hour and 50 minutes that they're going to be able to cover everybody everywhere. So some of some of the bands, some of the artists that I still am in contact with, they, they made a few comments on Facebook like, wow, they, they just left us out. And yeah, so at the end of that Facebook post, I said something like, hey, I'm, I'm about to go to bed, but you know, if we want our story told, someone's going to have to tell it. And then I went to bed. And I really, honestly, Garrett, I didn't think anything was going to come of that. If it did, great. But here's the thing. I'm not a, I'm not a movie person. Right. I, I've never worked in film. But I know someone who has. And so his name is Todd Zeller, and he's the director for this project. And he lives in Oregon. And I'm really, really excited about what he is going to be able to bring to this. So I remember early days on Facebook posts reading you talking about like a a meal you were having with Don from Crumbacher and some others and just kind of kicking around the the early ideas of what this might be and it, it just kind of grew as you talked to more bands or yes yes so that was the second thing that happened the first thing was a couple of years viewing for the first time the Amy and Michael documentary Jesus music film the second thing that happened was Dawn has become a friend of mine. We're both Dodger fans. She also lives up in the mountains here in Southern California. And so every once in a while, she she loves the mountains, but she loves coming down to near the beach, which is which is where I've lately been living. And so she one one week she said, "Hey, I need to get away. When can we have dinner?" And so she drove down. We had we were eating Chinese food, and this this came up. This was back in December. This is this was less than six months ago. Yeah. And I, for, I forget how it came up, the idea that, you know, is that anyone ever going to do anything about that scene that we were both very much involved in? And we just started throwing around some ideas just over Chow Mein. And it sort of, get, you know, it, it went into the next day and the next day. And then we started talking about, well, if someone's going to do this, it's not going to be us because neither one of us have anything to do with making a movie. Don has been involved in movies in different ways lately as far as her career so she more than more than i has you know a lot of contacts a lot of networks in in hollywood basically but we, so i said what about todd zeller i, I asked her I said, do you know that name she said, you know i've heard of todd zeller i think i've seen him on facebook and that led to a phone call so it was a three-way phone call between don myself and todd and it lasted about an hour and the, the weird thing about this was we had had a list already made up of three or four people that we were going to call, just, you know, to interview, basically. And Todd was the first one we happened to call. And when we got off that call, we looked at each other, and we're sort of like dumbfounded. It's like, um, are you thinking what I'm thinking? We, we didn't need to call anyone else. Yeah. We just knew. We just knew. So then I started getting in touch with some of the artists. 
like, hey, um, and, and initially, um, back in January, the, some of the responses were sort of tepid. They're like, well, I don't I, I guess, really, do you think anyone really cares about what we were doing back then? But then some artists were like, you know what, Darn, this is a story that we should tell. This, this, is, this needs to, yes, we need, someone needs to do this. So from that point, it was sort of like the snowball slowly rolling down a little, you know, bunny slope. But then it, it started gathering steam and we're like, OK, do we do a Kickstarter? Uh, do we do a GoFundMe? And and here we are. So I I know the the philosophy of tell what you know and kind of start with where you are. So if you were in Detroit in the 90s, the documentary might be on the origins of techno, but you weren't. You were in SoCal in the 80s. Yes. But beyond just that's where you were, why why this area? Why this uh, time, like this era, this style of music? Like, why are these stories important? Two reasons. Two reasons. One, because of the fact that they were not included in a Jesus music film. And again, I didn't expect them to be. Right. I wasn't looking for that to happen but that they have not had their story told. And the second reason is just a personal one that I've grown up in Southern California. I've lived nowhere else, but, and so when I in college found the radio station was, you know, open to having, uh, you know, people come in and, and play DJ uh, and play music. That's where I got my start in San Bernardino County, just North of Orange County. But, when I started, I was not a Christian, or I'd just become a Christian. I had I don't I knew nothing about Christian music, and so I was playing just all my secular, you know, classic rock favorites. But as I began growing as a Christian, I had friends of mine who were handing me, you know, Phil Kagi albums and Resman and Larry Norman, and like, no, you should you should throw these into your your regular secular mix and see what happens. And I did, and there were phone calls. I wouldn't even I, I remember I played t- uh, Time from Phil Kagi, and I didn't even reannounce who he was. People started calling. Who was that? Awesome. It was a live 10-minute 10, 10 live version with second chapter of Acts on how the West was won. And I was like, okay, there's something here. There's something going on with this Christian music. And and we started playing uh, bands like Undercover and the Altar Boys, and, and we contacted them, and they were willing to drive out from Orange County, hop on the 91 freeway out to Redlands is where the station was. And we would do live interviews with them during the program. It was it was a really amazing time. And here's the, the bottom line. None of us really knew what we were doing. I just, you know, in college, I thought this would be fun. You know, let's be a DJ. Let's sure. see what happens with that. Dream come true. And the Well, you know, yeah, and the, for the bands, yeah. this was a dream come true. They started, you know, signing with um, Calvary Chapel's, many of them with Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa's label, um, Ministry Resource Center, MRC. The What's Shaken compilation album. I mean, this is oh, where yeah. things started happening for them. And so we were just like, hey, you know, this is sort of cool. We, we, we basically, over the years, became a family and started doing concerts, and we had a publication, and it just started growing. So this is the only reality, and that's, a, that's an intended pun because that was the name of the radio program, was Reality Rock. That was the only reality I knew. And so from the early 80s until the mid-90s, that was my life. I left my job and I, I started a nonprofit youth outreach organization. That's what I did full time. And we would book the 77s a couple times and bring them down from Sacramento to play in Southern California. And a lot of the musicians were cross-pollinating. 
I talked to Kenny Riley from Common Bond. He said he would go up to Sacramento and hang out with them and see what was going on. And it was a really, really amazing time in California. And that's an, that's an understatement. I lived through some of that the first time, not in Southern California, but I yeah. I was listening to and loving those bands and albums. Like there was a, I was on an overseas mission trip the summer of 84 and there was a girl on our trip who was from Southern California and she taught all of us the songs from Undercover God Rules. Uh, we weren't yes. allowed to have any music with us, so she's just singing the songs and like making noises for the saxophone parts. And I had never oh heard, gosh. I'd never heard Undercover. But when I went home, as soon as I got home, I bought that record, and the first time I listened to it, I was singing along because I knew the songs because this girl from SoCal had taught us all these right. songs. And then suddenly, it's you know Daniel Amos and the Altar Boys, and so I had been yes. listening to that. So for me, there's an instant affection and appreciation because it's nostalgia and i i understand the appeal for the for the generations younger than us that have like they're coming up and there's not even the i mean i guess maybe the husk of what used to be a christian music industry like it's already come and gone um why is this film important for them to see the 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 new you know gen z crowd that's a great question and and you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to have good answers to all of the questions that you're going to ask me. And uh, on the flip side of that coin, some of our artists might not have good answers to the questions we're going to be asking them. And this is a fascinating thing for me in making a documentary because people have been asking, you know, who's going to narrate it? What is the script been written? And I'm like, no, 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 no. All we're doing is coming up with questions. You know, I'm really on a steep learning curve about how a documentary film is made, and basically you have to come up with the right questions. Yeah. They will write the script. The artists will narrate the film and whatever stories they're going to tell. We, you know, at this point we have an idea, but until we actually, you know, turn on the cameras and the microphones and the lights and, and ask the questions, we're not really entirely sure what they're going to want to talk about from those days or remember even, because it's been 40 years. Right. That's that's a really interesting interesting point. You basically have the option of we're going to write the story first, and then come up with clips that fill, fit the narrative we already decided, or we can ask the questions and find out what the story is, and then tell that story. And it seems like you're kind of doing the second, like what what was the story? Okay, now let's now let's stitch that together and tell it. Exactly. And so I think sort of like, you know, pragmatically, a lot of times, um, I can also think in abstract ways. But the way I see this is the story w was already written back in 1981, when the Lifesavers debut album was recorded and released, Us Kids. Oh, and that's yeah. why this movie is called Us Kids. That's that's where this, this got its start. So what was going on back then in Orange County, continuing throughout the 80s and into the 90s, the story was written by these musicians already decades ago. What we're doing is we're giving them an opportunity. We don't want to rewrite the story ourselves. I'm not in a band. I never was. I could play piano. That was my instrument growing up, but I was a radio DJ. So this is their movie. They're the stars. I'm not going to be interviewed. I suppose I could, but, but I, I don't, you know, I want them to tell their story. I will ask them questions. And after all my questions are done, I will, for each artist, I, I'm, and I'm not saying me, this is Todd Zeller is, is also, we are both going to be present during these interviews. 
And we're going to ask every single musician this question at the end. Okay, this is great. Was there anything else that you'd like to share that we have not covered yet? Yeah. And, you know, because, again, this is the story's already happened. We're just trying to recapture it and, and bring it back for people that were there. Uh, we're also going to have a few testimonials. And I, I forget if, if, the, if that was part of Jesus Music film. It may have been. But we feel it's important for, for this film to not just hear from the artists, from the musicians, but also to hear from some of the fans who were out in the crowd and whose lives were touched and changed and still are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you 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 hit on a couple other things I was going to ask, which basically just so who are you and and what qualifies you to do this? And a lot of it was you'd you'd known the bands back then. You'd been playing the songs. You'd been at the shows or helping to book the shows. You had the um, the the like festival kind of shows going on, right? I mean, a huge a huge interaction. And you mentioned Todd. Who else is going to be involved in uh, in pulling this all together? So Todd um, has actually a team of filmmakers. He works very closely with a guy named Scott, who I met. I'd never met Todd before until a couple months ago, and I traveled up to northern Oregon, up to Portland, and we had dinner. Um, Todd Todd came up. He lives in Eugene, Oregon. Todd, Todd and Scott came up. Um, we met with, with Ojo Taylor and Greg Lawless from Adam Again. The five of us had probably a three-hour dinner and the main topic was discussing the movie but but even more so discussing just remembering reminiscing just what what was going on back in the early 80s because again that's 40 years <laughs> that's that's been a long time and so different artists and different you know um musicians are going to have different memories They're, we don't remember everything from you know in our entire lives so this is what is fascinating to me about what's about to happen when we start interviewing Mike Stan, I was, I, I've been, I've been blessed to be able to have conversations, sometimes just on the phone like this, but also sometimes in person over a meal. And um, he made a very interesting comment at one point during our conversation. You know, I was talking to him about the movie, and he was asking me some questions. I said, I said something. He said, Well, John, it's important that you know the truth is told. And I said, Mike, you're absolutely right. But let me remind you, your truth and your memory might be different from someone else's. So. So we're going to have a lot of stories in this documentary, and they might not all be the same. Does that make sense? It totally does. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, you chose to use GoFundMe, but you really treated it like a Kickstarter. Like you made an yes. arbitrary end date in your mind, and you made that public. Like May 31st, yes. it's done. Either we make it or we break it, and then I'll refund yep. stuff if it doesn't make, make it in the window. Why did you choose that approach and that platform? So let me first, there's actually two questions that you're asking. Let me first answer why I chose GoFundMe over Kickstarter. And the reason is I'd already done two Kickstarters, one for a, a little art book that included um, lyrics from a lot of these band's songs. Fusion art. I have that book. Yeah, you have that book. Okay. Do, and you yeah. probably helped promote the Kickstarter, I, I, I imagine. And yeah. by the way, before I forget, I really, really want to thank you for, because, you know, not only on that project, but I think last year's album, um, you have been so out front with helping, you know, all Christian artists that are doing anything as far as crowdfunding. So thank you for your support. I don't want to forget to say that. But so so I'd done the, the first Kickstarter for Fusion Art. I did we, Jason Dean, who was my basically partner in crime in the radio days, helping with concerts and the radio program. 
we partnered with this this double vinyl album um, that was released last year, and that was also a Kickstarter. What happens with Kickstarters is if you do a Kickstarter in anything having to do with Christian music, people are automatically going to expect one thing from you, and they're going to expect rewards. Yeah. And, and sometimes I call it prizes. What are you know? And 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 we love doing that. We we enjoy doing it with Fusion Art. We enjoy doing it with the album. We had T-shirts. We had release party tickets. We had you know so. But I just I was a little overwhelmed at the thought of a goal of fifty thousand dollars and a movie that we're not even planning on releasing on DVD. Right. I'm like, okay, I guess we could we could offer some T-shirts, but you know what? I, I just and this was a risk. I knew it was a risk when I made this decision, let's do a GoFundMe. I'd never done a GoFundMe. I've contributed to countless GoFundMe's before, but I, and so I realized early on when some people, some folks on the nineties recovery, you know, page on Facebook and the eighties yeah. recovery page on Facebook were asking, it's like, wait a minute. So who, who are you? Why is it 50,000? What if you don't make the goal? We, we don't, we're not used to GoFundMe's for stuff like this. And I, I, I basically, ha- I backed myself in a corner. I said, okay, you know what we're going to do? You're just going to have to trust me on this. If we don't make the goal, we're going to treat it like a Kickstarter. It's all or nothing. If we don't reach 50000 everyone gets their money back. Now, I'm going to answer a question that you're probably going to ask. I'll just take care of it in one breath. This was really bizarre what happened. Okay, so the the night of May 31st at midnight was when, in my timeline, that's when the, the campaign ended. We were $11,000 short. We were at $39,000 when I went to bed. And I, you know, I'm old. I don't, I don't stay up till midnight. I don't need the fireworks on New Year's Eve. And so I went to bed at 10 and I woke up around 5.30, 5.45 and I looked and yeah, we were still at about $39,000. And so here's what I did. I went into the GoFundMe platform. I found the little thing where it says, okay, return all of the gifts, refund everyone's money. And I pressed that button. And I made a post. I said, "Hey, we, you know, we came close. Thank you for for contributing, everyone who you know who did. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't we didn't make our goal. So so we're not going to be able to to have this campaign as a means of making the movie. I did say there was an asterisk next to that, though. I did say that this was only one way to raise support for making a movie. There's a lot of different ways one can finance a movie. So I sort of left that open. Sure, Garrett, fifteen minutes." After I press the refund button, we receive an $11,000 gift. It's actually two separate gifts, one for $8,000, one for $3,000. And I, I saw an email come through from GoFundMe, and I, you know, I was like, I was going onto my Instagram account, just doing whatever I was doing. I hadn't had my coffee yet, and I saw this email, and it said, congratulations, you, you've reached your goal. And I'm, I'm staring at the, I'm, my phone. I'm, I'm on my phone. I'm like, no, that's not possible. I'm getting spammed. This is, I'm, I'm, right. be, I'm being hacked. Yeah, that's that that never happened. And so I, I, I look further, I, I go into the, you know, our campaign, and I see that gift. And I'm like, what in the world? And I go and, and then, you know, there's some fine print when you press refund. This is irreversible. Now, the bizarre thing about this whole thing is that to this day, they never refunded anyone's gift. And I don't know if, if the fact that when someone's goal has been met, they just automatically cancel that, deny it. And if I could have been on the phone with someone to talk to someone about that, I would have. I, you know, they have contact us, but then you can text someone, but it's a bot. 
Yeah. The the closest I got to a human being at GoFundMe was a, an email that said, okay, we've looked through this campaign. You've reached your goal. We're about ready to send this money to your account. And it, there was a human name. It was, I think Kathy was her name. So, but it's sort of like Amazon or Facebook. You don't call, there's no phone number. Yeah, there's nobody to talk right? to. No. So, but it was the most, it was the strangest thing. I, 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 to this day, I have no idea. But here's the thing. We were all very, very thankful that everyone did not get their gift back because most, I was, I was already calling people and texting people and emailing people. Hey, this is, this is weird. This just happened. I, and you're going to get your gift back. If you want to, you know, go to Vegas this summer and have a vacation, that's great. You know, I understand. But if you would like to redonate it to the movie project, um, we can definitely use that money. So it was awkward, Garrett. It was really awkward for me to have, be in that position. Right. Oh yeah. But, but, but but the, but I, I I would not have done it any differently because you know this is what my parents taught me growing up. If you say you're going to do something, you do it. Absolutely, yeah. It was all or nothing. It was all or nothing. Well, I knew for me, I had donated back in February, and when I saw yeah. it didn't go through, and you said, you know, um, but we just got this this last minute donation. So if you do get the refund, can you please consider redonating? So I'm watching. And I'd done it through PayPal right. and I'm waiting for it to come through. And I know you said like seven to 10 days and I'm waiting and I'm ready to like redonate and, and I never got it back. And like, and no one's, no one saw anything, right? Okay. So I guess they get to keep it, which yeah. is great. Yeah. Cause I was ready well, to it, it you know, is. just turn around and hand it yeah. back. But well, well and, 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 and like I said, most people, you know, were saying the same thing to us. You know, I don't, I don't think all of them would have come back. I don't know, you know, but the ones that were, had donated, the, the, there was a reason that they wanted to see this film, right? You know, so thank you for for being one of those people that was ready to send it back. Um, but it, it would have just been a hassle. That that would have been the worst thing. It would just been a hassle for people. It's one more thing on their plate that they have to worry about and look for and, and remember to do. You know what I mean? And I I didn't like doing that to anyone. But thankfully, we didn't have to go through that. Now I know that you'd posted a big like, hey, they're they're transferring the funds to our bank. Um, but the campaign on GoFundMe is still open if people are just now hearing about it and want to continue funding this, right? So that's, yes. So that's the other interesting difference between Kickstarter and GoFundMe. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that with Kickstarter, because you have to put a goal down, you have to have a deadline, and it's usually 30 days. And once that deadline is closed, it's not an option. They will automatically return everything if you didn't reach your goal on that date. Am I correct? That is correct. And uh, and it's yes. closed. There's no like, yeah, like... And they close it. it like, I found out about this out of the gray campaign three days after it closed. Can I still get in on it? No, because it's closed. But yeah, unless you know some of the people behind the scenes that are, are doing it. Hey, save me an album or whatever. Yeah, I've been in that situation too. So GoFundMe is different. Even though you've made your goal. Um, if you want it to remain open, you can have it remain open indefinitely. If I wanted to close it today, I could, but I think, you know, three days ago, we got another gift. You know, people do hear about things, you know, past the deadline. And so here's the other thing, Garrett, that, um, you you might also be ready to ask this question, but I'll take care of it for you. The $50,000 goal, that's not the budget for the film. That was just the goal for that campaign because this movie is going to be about double that as far as the budget. Now, we're not going to have another crowdfunding campaign. We're not going to do a Kickstarter or another GoFundMe or anything like that. We have some individuals, private individuals, people who I have known for a long, long time 
that are now ready to step in with some additional gifts. And, you know, we're, we're just, we're just, I just feel so thankful, so blessed that there are people that have come along and, you know, it's not just Todd's idea. It's not just Don's or, or my idea. This is, we now have a lot of people, well, over 200 people that did the GoFundMe campaign, but there's, there's a, there's a growing sense that yes, let, let's do this movie. Let's make it happen. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So, so I want to ask what's next because you mentioned no plans for making a DVD. So, and I know that you, you'd initially thought you'd probably have it done by the end of 24. Does that still look to be on track or who knows? And then if not DVD, how are you looking to get this out there for people to see? Our goal is the end of 2024. Now it may happen the middle of 2024. It may happen the beginning of 2025. But that's what we would like to see. We're hoping that by the end of next year, we could wrap up the whole the whole process. As far as formats, we have about three different possibilities that we're looking at. And and let me also say that while today we might not be thinking about doing anything with DVDs, this could change. This sure. is another reason why I wanted to stay away from the Kickstarter thing where that we had levels and people would come in at a certain dollar amount and we were promising people that would receive certain things by a certain date. There's just there's a lot of question marks about how this film will be viewed. Okay, so let's start with the first thing. The first thing that we really want to do after the film is finished, film festivals. Yeah. That's the first thing. And the reason that I didn't say we want to have it streamed is, and this is something I just learned a couple months ago from talking to another filmmaker who happens to live in Redlands. He shared with me that, oh no, if if you are interested in being in any film festivals, you do not release this film in any way, not on DVD, not on YouTube, not streaming. They don't want material that's already out there. They want fresh, brand new. They, they want to be the first ones. Right. They want to break it. Yeah. And I n- had never heard that. I didn't realize that. I'm like, thank you for sharing that with us now. Because if if we had first gone to streaming and then we was like, okay, let's get to the film festivals. You know, that's just egg on your face. I would yeah. have felt so ignorant. So that's the first thing that we would want to do with the film. And, and here's the first film festival that we will be very interested in. And it's the Newport Beach Film Festival. And it's for two reasons. The first reason is because that's where the story started in Orange County, in Huntington, in Newport, right? Yeah. The second reason is because we still have at least 20, 25 of these band members that live in Southern California. Now, you know, a lot of them have have migrated to Nashville or to uh, Michael Pritzel from the Violet Burning is in Boston. And so we have people all over the country. Um, Peter King from Dakota Motor Company is now living in Hawaii, but we also know that there are hundreds of film festivals all across the country every year. Now that we're post COVID that, that, you know, we're, we're not going to just want to be in one film festival. Right. And, you know, I mean, so we, but we have no idea, you know, which film festivals are going to want a movie like this. And that's some research that will have to be done. I would imagine that the members of those bands if they had a chance to go to a film festival and see their story and their footage on a big screen would not pass that up. I mean, that would just be, I think, extraordinary. I think you're right. To see that happen would just be amazing. 
I think you're right. And there are some, some of the musicians from Southern California that happen to have some connections with people that do Newport Beach Film Festival. So it wouldn't be like we were just going into some you know anonymous people with a, a new film. And when I was talking with Kenny Riley from Common Bond, he's, he's really been helpful with it. All the musicians have been hugely you know, helpful. But he said, hey, John, did you realize that Albuquerque has a film festival? And I'm like, no, I didn't. Tell me. He said, "Yeah, it's like it's really, it's really good." And I'm like, "Well, do you do you know anyone?" Who, oh, he's like, "Oh yeah, oh yes, he does." Nice. So you know, um, uh, yeah, I don't. So that's what's exciting about this part is that we just don't know. I I don't have a good answer to your question. I don't know which film festivals will receive it. I don't know. And and so here, here's the second part of of the, that question. After the film festivals have all done their thing, now okay. Is there a streaming network out there that would be interested in picking it up? And I'm not, you know, we don't need to be on, you know, Netflix or, you know, Hulu, the big boys. Um, every year there's new streaming networks coming out, right? I mean, it's just like it's hard to keep up with all of them. And I know some specialize in documentaries and things like that as well. Well, exactly. And, you know, I this is going to be embarrassing for me to say, but I just recently got Wi-Fi at my house. And so there's a lot of reasons about that. But and so it's just been the last three or four weeks, literally, that I've been able to watch Netflix. And that's my go-to now. When I have time to watch a movie, I'm not, I'm not looking at comedies. I'm, I'm looking at documentaries, and they're usually music documentaries. Yeah. But, but so, so we don't know in a couple of years what streaming networks will be out there and that would be interested in this film. And we're hoping, you know, and praying that there will be someone that would be, Hey, yeah, we'd like to, you know, have exclusive rights to that. I don't even know what that would look like or what, you know, what type of a contract that would be. But again, we have a lot of research to do in that area. So um, we have a lot of research for film festivals, a lot of research for streaming, but this, we have time. This is the one thing that's on our side. We have time. So one thing I do know about the Jesus Music film that you mentioned, I know there was some interview footage with John Thompson from True Tunes, and both the store and the podcast and the band Wayside, and he'd mentioned that they had actually interviewed him much, much longer. And then, you know, a, a number of other artists that had been interviewed, and it seemed like perhaps the original scale was meant to almost be like an eight part series. And then partway through, they said, tell you what, just for budgetary purposes, can we make this into an hour and a half film? And so there was so much that was left kind of untold. And maybe they'll pick that up and maybe they'll tell more of the story. But it, it makes me kind of wonder, like, what happens to all the all the stuff that doesn't make the, the final story? Like all the extra material, do you, are you guys thinking about making that available in any way for like, I want to see the rest of the interview. I want to see the interview that didn't make it. Any, anything like that? Or is that just way too in the future to, to even mention? Garrett, of all the questions you've asked me so far this morning, that is, in, in my mind, the most loaded one for me to answer. And this is, that's a good thing. Do you have an hour? <laughs> Let the, so where do I start? So first of all, I had not heard before what you just told me about the people that made the Jesus music film. I did not realize, and it, it makes sense because 50 years is a lot of history. And they did it in an hour and 50 minutes. I actually looked at the time on the back of the DVD box. And again, embarrassing. I went on Amazon and I bought it. That was before I had Netflix. 
because DVDs are sort of like CDs these days. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's sort of prehistoric, right? I mean, everyone has streaming in, in America. That I still like. I still like physical media, but I. But you're right. Even if we own a DVD, I'm probably just going to pull it up on streaming because it's faster than finding it on the shelf, popping in the machine, fiddling with the remote. So yeah, yeah. You know, you know. I mean, it's just um, I, personally, me personally, John. I like I like CDs. I was playing CDs in my car up until last year, and then my CD player went out. So you know, now I now I play it through my phone. But so so back to your question about trying to put 15 years and no less than 20 bands that were part of this movement, this scene. Um, Revolution is actually part of the title of the movie. It's Us Kids and Alternative Music Revolution. And trust me, there was some some pushback on using that word. And some, some of my inner circle were like, well, wait a minute, this, there's no military, you know, there, there were no soldiers on the ground. It's like, no, 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 it's not a military revolution. It's a musical, it's a cultural, it's a spiritual. There's a lot of things that people were revolting about back then, right? Oh, yeah. So Todd and I are going to interview a lot of artists. We're not going to interview a lot of artists also. For instance, we know we're, we know better. If we tried to do the, the heavy metal scene, the heavy metal bands, there is just no way we could keep it under two hours. We'd have to be a three or four hour movie. No, that's a whole nother movie. Exactly. And so we're not going to try and, and wrap that into this movie. This is alternative rock. And so people that, that were really, you know, into Baron Cross and White Cross and Stri- Striper was a part of the Jesus music film. But there's a lot of, you know, Bloodgood. Blood, Bloodgood actually has their own documentary, right? Yeah. I mean, there were tons of SoCal bands, a lot of the Hairspray Metal and Guardian and Holy Soldier and like the whole, yeah. Right. Yes. So so that's, so there are going to be some people that aren't going to be real thrilled about our, our movie because we're going to leave them out. But listen, that, if Bloodcut can have an, a documentary on their own, there's, there's every, you know, reason to believe that each one of those bands, if they wanted to, could also do their own documentary. They could do a heavy metal documentary. I believe there was a Christian rap documentary. And by the way, we're also going to include Chris Cooper from SFC. And nice. he's going to be talking in, in our documentary about when they basically became a part of that movement, when they got signed to, to Joe Taylor's and Gene Eugene's record label, and they started getting booked at some of our concerts. So, so it's, yeah, it, the answer is, is complicated as far as what we're going to include and what we're not. But what we're not is mainly having to do with this time. There's just not enough time to take care of everything that happened back then. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, I don't, as as exciting as what you're doing is, and as exciting as it would be to be right in the middle of it, I don't envy you the decision of having to like edit and trim and select. Like That would just be difficult, I think. Let, let me be, and I think I've been as honest as, as possible so far during this interview because I have nothing to hide. Let me be brutally honest. Garrett, that part scares me. So I'm not intimidated because this is what I would do on the radio for well over a decade live during the radio program is, is as the bands would come to the station and, and do live in-studio interviews and I would ask them questions and they would answer them. The, the the part about asking these artists questions is something that's, you know, I, that doesn't freak me out. What freaks me out is after all the interviews have been completed and Todd and I go into the quote unquote editing room 
and start. It's like a, I, I'm looking at it like a jigsaw puzzle. We, you got these thousands of pieces of jigsaw puzzles on the floor, and we're trying to put them together in a way that does justice to the stories they've just told us. That, to me, is a huge task, and it keeps me up at night sometimes, to be honest. I think you'll find that after, after it's all there, you'll start to see the story emerge, and then you can, you can pull things together to tell that story and see what's not, not moving that story forward, I guess? Yes. G- Garrett, there's, there is one thing I haven't shared with you because you haven't asked, um, and I'm going to sort of halfway share what I'm talking about, that we do actually have a theme for this movie. And this, this we, we went through several you know, weeks or close to a month going around in circles, we didn't want to just have a history lesson. We just didn't want to have a timeline. Okay, in 81, this happened. And then in 82, these bands came out with these releases. And then they went to Cornerstone. And then and then they started moving to Nashville. And, and that's it. There's the movie. There is a theme. But we also don't want to give away everything about this movie just yet. We We want to save some things for when people stream the movie or they walk into a film festival oh, yeah. or, you know, and so we're excited about that. And so some of our questions, you know, I mean, we do have, you know, the ability to do, to decide which questions we're going to ask. And some of them are going to have to do with that theme. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Okay. Um, hey, here's a question for you. Have you yeah. thought about, and maybe you've already done this, now that you have Wi-Fi in your house, it might make things easier. Have you thought about putting together a a documentary playlist on Spotify or somewhere else with just here are songs that were from that era that I played on reality rock that are from the bands that we're going to cover. If you just want some excitement between now and sometime next year, like check out the playlist. We'll keep dropping new stuff to kind of just remind people we're here. This is nostalgia for some. It's a fresh listen for others. I mean, I, I know the risk is some of this just isn't on streaming services. But a lot of the a lot of the stuff has been reissued. Have you thought about any kind of um, playlist to kind of promote and and remind people? Garrett, your questions are blowing me away. It's almost as if you have some inside line as to what has been going on just very recently with this project. Because I'm not making this up. Thursday, I met up with my my radio partner, Jason Dean in Redlands for lunch. He said, Hey, um, is it okay if gyro, you know, tags along? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, so, so gyro from mortal was in Redlands. Uh, they were working on something together. And so, um, so the three of us are, are having pizza at mod pizza and Jason brings up the topic of a soundtrack for this film. Yeah. And this was not Jason's idea, although he's going to be, I believe, a, very much a part of of this project. And when I say project, of the soundtrack. So we've got a movie over here. We've got a soundtrack over here. And, and that sort of speaks to what you're talking about on Spotify. Jason loves Spotify, by the way. Jason Dean, he did a Spotify for the Fourth Wave album. He's done Spotify for just reality rock in general. He's done his own personal Spotify. So he will be at some point, I guarantee you, he will be putting together a Spotify playlist, but the, the I just got through saying that, oh, DVDs and CDs are prehistoric. Well, guess what? The soundtrack for the movie will be released on CD, and part of the reason for that is the, the owner of Front 
frontline records, Adele, who... Oh, yeah. You know Adele? I know Adele, and she's been really good with the Frontline Rewind uh, podcast with uh, Les Carlson kind of going back and Brian Healy back in the day telling telling stories. Yes. So that was sort of a rhetorical question. I think I already knew that you would know No, that's Adele. okay. So yeah. she is... She is such a such a sweetheart, right? Such an angel. What I don't know is how she came to be in possession of the entire Frontline catalog or, or what her passion was. Okay, yeah. So if you can maybe fill me in, and then the listeners can kind of learn along the way. Okay, so I cannot do that. Okay. So this is, a lot of that is a mystery to me. I do know this, though, that back in the 80s, back in the mid-80s, during the timeline of our documentary, she was involved in publishing and licensing, I believe, at Maranatha at one point, maybe with Broken Frontline when that's first started. So she is she has been very much involved in this entire um, industry. Yeah, she's not. She, yeah, no, she's not just someone that came along ten years ago. Oh, that sounds fun. Some outside investor. Yeah. No, she she knows what she's doing. She's extremely educated, and she is very generous. She helped me so much when I just needed to put lyrics in a book seven years ago. Don is the one, Don Wisner Johnson is the one that introduced me to her. Don and Beth are, are, are close with her. And so we sat down one day for lunch. Um, I've had multiple, I just had lunch with her about a couple of weeks ago. She's Adele is going to be one of the executive producers for this documentary for, for us kids. And for many different reasons, but, but mainly she is offering to us any song in her catalog of frontline bands oh, to use awesome. during the movie. I mean, this is if if we were to have to pay the going market licensing rate, this we would not be able to make this movie, or or it would just be a bunch of people talking. There would be no sound in the background. Yeah, and that's that's not a movie I would want to make, right? So there will be a, now now Adele. I'm talking to her about the soundtrack idea a couple of weeks ago on the phone, and she's like, "Well, John, I love CDs, people." They'll, they'll buy CDs if, if there's a little concert somewhere and people have a merch table and they, they still wear T-shirts. They still listen to CDs. And so I'm like, okay, if Adele wants to have CDs, and like I said, I was listening to them last year, the, these will be available on CD. They'll probably be available, you know, um, in other ways, digitally. I, I'm not sure. I don't I don't know about vinyl just now because that's a that's a pretty big project, right? Yeah. But 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 we will have a soundtrack and and your next question I already know how you 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 think you will what what types of songs would be on a soundtrack and that's a big question mark and I'm going to allow Jason Chuck Cummings the drummer from Common oh, Bond yeah. and Dakota Motor Company and Alter Boys and everybody else that he's drummed for he is also very very interested in taking this idea and running with it and I'm so thankful because making a movie for me i i don't multitask very well so that that's about all i can handle right now so they're going to deal with with what what the soundtrack's going to look like so going back to my lunch with jason and gyro jason is talking to gyro and gyro's like yeah yeah we can we could easily do a song we could go in and redo one of our old songs this this soundtrack could be anything they want it to be right yeah oh and that that excites me i've been following the morzan account for new New music from Mortal and Folds and like those guys yes. getting back together, and I'm I'm super excited. Yes. So as soon as you said he, he was in Redlands doing something, I'm just thinking, please let it be new music. Please let it be because I know they redid a song, but I'm like I, I I already want more. Right. So everybody wants more, and I think they're going to give us more. It's it just takes time. There's so much going on with 
with Jerome and with Switchfoot and, and yeah. with Drywood. There's just, you know, and it, it's music, but then there's just their lives, their personal lives. Oh, I mean, of course. So yeah. Everyone is busy these days, right? You know, now that COVID is gone and now we're getting back to actually living and doing stuff. It's, yeah, we're sort of having to play catch up a little bit because we just left everything on the back burner for those couple of years. Well, right? I will tell folks that you do a great job on social media of uh, posting updates. So where is the best place for folks to follow you online for those updates? Is it you personally or Reality Rock or? I would say both. Okay. I would say both because we, you know, um, I, I do my best and thank you. I, I, I receive that um, as far as being on social media. Um, my personal, uh, I'm pretty much open to everyone that, that requests, you know, to be a friend on Facebook. And so but I don't share the exact same things on my page as I, as I do on the reality rock page. Or right. Rea- so we have, we have a page called reality rock listeners. Jason Dean was the one that set all these pages up the reality rock page, the reality rock listener page. And I will most often um, share on the reality rock listener page. And I forget if it's a page or a group. I know there's certain different ways that Facebook looks at these things, but it's, it's one or the other reality rock listeners or just my, my personal junks, maybe Facebook page. Okay. Um, to be, to be honest, this is, I'm, I'm entering new territory now, now that the fundraiser is over and we've reached our goal. I'm not sure as a producer of this movie, what I should be or should not be sharing on social media as it's being made. You know, that's a really good point. Yeah. You don't want to give away too much to say we're sitting down to interview so-and-so right now. Because that may or may not ever make the film. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, That's it's a good point. So, so I think with well, you know, with time, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, you know, I haven't even really gone down that road of even thinking about it yet. But um, I'm, I'm actually, I was very thankful for two reasons that we reached our goal. One, because we reached the goal. Two, because that was a three month long campaign. I don't know if you were keeping track. Oh yeah. That's a long campaign to be, you know, and Todd had already started doing stuff. Hadn't he? Clarify, clarify your comment on that. So it feels like, uh, Todd was already either in conversations or traveling and talking to folks, or uh, I don't know if he'd done any actual filming or interviews yet, but like, it seems like a lot of the work of pulling it together was in process prior to, it wasn't like, if we get the money, then we'll figure it out. Like you guys are still quote working on the documentary, um, even as you're waiting to see if funds arrive. So, so, so that's a very important point to address because Todd has been a filmmaker, videographer for decades. This is what he does for a living. This is uh, during the week. This is how he pays his bills. And so, but his passion. So, so living in Eugene, Oregon, he has, you know, like the Boys and Girls Club and nonprofits in the area that need a, a video presentation for a meeting they're having. These are the types of things he does things for. I think there's a pizza, you know, chain up there. These are the types of things he does to pay his bills. His passion, he was, he was raised in Redding, California, in Northern California. So on his weekends when he was growing up in his late teens, he would be driving from Reading down to Sacramento and he was immersing himself with all of the bands of the warehouse from Charlie Peacock to Vector to 77s. And so he has a history of just on the side, apart from what he does to pay his bills of, of doing like videos with Mike Nod or with Michael Pritzel or with Gene Eugene when he was alive, 
he has he has been doing these types of things for many 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 years. Wow! And he will post things on on social media on his page. On he also is the manager, the moderator of the Adam Again page. Okay. This is this this was one of the several reasons that after Beth and I or after Don and I had gotten off the phone with him that first time back in January that we looked at each other. No, the Todd is he's our director. Yeah, it's and perfect it's because fit. of that. Exactly. It's not just some, you know, independent contractor that we're hiring because he has, has some cameras and he can go around and film interviews. No, he is just as passionate about this movie as I am. Oh, that's so cool. And so I can see that some people might be confused. We have not been doing any interviews yet. Okay. I was very specific when, when I started the, the campaign. I said, okay, I need to be focused like, you know, I'm not a good multitasker. I need to get through this campaign. It's going to be three months because it's $50,000. That's a lot of money, at least for me. Yeah. And so, so he's been patient. When we made the goal, we, you know, a couple of days after that, he's like, okay, let's, let's start scheduling some interviews for next month. And I was like, okay, we do need to start scheduling interviews. Can we wait till August? Because I, I, I'm just sort of like need, I'm, I need to take a breath. I just needed to just like, okay, let's give me give me a week or two off. July, we're going to be doing the scheduling. So July, he he is in charge of the scheduling. Todd is going to be reaching out to the artists. Got a couple trips in mind that we're going to take first. One in in Northern Oregon, one in Northern California, and um, this is not going to be easy because he's got, you know, his schedule, his the. the the videography he works with Scott has his whole life and his schedule. They're going to have to sync with the, the musicians who have their lives. And many of them are still making music or, or working. And, you know, I happen to be retired. So, so I, I'm going to be able to, I just told Todd, whenever you get the dates, just let me know and I'll, I'll, I'll be there, you know, but this is, this is not going to be easy. I don't, I don't envy Todd no. for, for having to say, I mean, you know, and so those trips are actually very small, like a handful of people, like three or four people on each trip the southern california trip yeah no he's gonna have to you know book a room for like 10 days he's gonna be down here for oh yeah for quite a while that yeah. makes sense yeah so so we are we are not yet doing the interviews for the movie but he has been interviewing and doing all sorts of things for years with these bands oh wow that is so cool yeah. to hear. yeah it, it uh, his name seems really familiar to me so it's good to make those connections yeah yeah, no, I'm looking forward to, you know, really to get to know him on on this level because I've no, I've no, I've like you, I've seen his name, I've, I've looked at things he's done on on Facebook, and he has he did an Adam again video, um, uh, like a, a music video. He's he's got some concert footage that he's done. I mean, we're we're coordinating, we're collaborating, I think, really well so far. So um, that's that's an exciting thing for me is. You know, I can do stuff by myself, but it's all, it's a lot more it's more enjoyable when you have, you know, someone oh, yeah. right next to you. Well, yeah. I'm excited about this and I'm I am hoping that this helps uh spread the word and maybe ignite some other folks to hit up the GoFundMe page and throw some money your way cuz yeah, I know that the the 50,000 isn't what's going to push it over the finish line. That's that's to get it started. So if we can get more yep. folks um kicking in and getting involved we are open to to that i'd love to see it hitting film festivals as well and just getting hitting new audiences so it's all exciting i'm 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 glad that you were excited and yeah the the, the gofundme was the down payment for the film and so now we've got to you know uh close escrow <laughs> so 
that should be happening soon. And then, and then in a month and a half, uh, start interviewing. Uh, this is wild. I, I feel like, you know, I pinch myself sometimes when I wake up, are you really doing this? Is this really happening? Yeah. But, um, I, you know, I think, I think the artists are also excited and that's like I said, or, you know, at the beginning of this interview, this is their film. Yep. I hope they're excited. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. Well, thank you so much. In, any other questions? Oh, okay. No, well, no, I, I really appreciate for, it. For taking time out of, of your day. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm just really, I'm honored that this is sort of like, you know, your only podcast for until you, you start up again. What? In another couple of months? Yeah. It'll be a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, I, I hope you have enough material oh, for, uh, yeah, a this okay. is going to be great. Okay. I so appreciate your time. Awesome. Thank you, Garrett. Have a great thank weekend. You. you as well. Talk to you later. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Bye. So that's it. That's the whole episode. No spotlight campaign, no other campaigns. There's a lot going on right now. There are plenty of campaigns, but I just really wanted to keep this episode laser focused on this interview. Please do sign up for the mailing list. It's at theotherccm.com forward slash newsletter. And every week you'll get a free copy of the email newsletter, letting you know about all the campaigns I discovered in the previous week all the ones that are about to close this coming week, and then a list of all the other active campaigns. So you for sure want to sign up for that because there are a number of great campaigns active right now. And I can say that not even knowing which week you're listening to this because there are just regularly so many good campaigns. I don't want you to miss them. So head over to theotherccm.com slash newsletter to sign up for that. I hope you really enjoyed this interview. Be sure to head over to GoFundMe and search for the Alternative Christian Music Documentary and throw this project some love. I am so excited about seeing this. I just, I, I want to be a part of it. I want you guys to have a chance to be a part of it as well. Till next episode, remember, great music doesn't just happen, so get involved. And I know I say it every time, but I say it because it's true. Good Patron Podcast is proud to be a part of UTR Media, an independent, listener-supported, non-profit ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Find it online at utrmedia.org. <laughs>